Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Anne Wilson. So recently we were talking about being in the van, a minivan, with our two grandchildren who are three and one. Dave is up in the front with our son, and then my daughter and I are in the back taking care of the kids, and the one-year-old is screaming her head off. Yeah, she was screaming. For, for like an hour. And the whole time... It might have been three hours. The whole it was time. Probably, it was no, probably ten minutes. No longer. My daughter-in-law is amazing. She's feeding her. We're making faces. We're singing songs. Later that day, we're walking, and I could tell she was so frustrated because... She's thinking, like, why wasn't he back here? And he even had offered, do you want me to be in the back? But as moms... You say no every time. We feel guilty. Yeah. And so I said to her, as we were walking, I said, it's the weirdest thing. Because God has put it in us as moms. We are connected to our children. And if we're all sitting in the room with the dads and the moms... The dads aren't thinking about, like, I better take care of the child. You automatically, as a mom, zero in on it. And you know, like, I'm going to take care of them. But I found myself when our kids were little, like, why doesn't Dave take care of them? It was just always on my radar to care for them, to love them. Yeah, and you can hear uh, another a guest in the in the studio. Heather's over there. <laughs> Heather McFadden is over there laughing because you two moms are like, yep, 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 yep. I mean, that's your life, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think about even coming here. And all the effort and planning. I set a crock pot meal ready for the first night they're home. I'm making sure everyone gets picked up at the right time. And my husband texts me while I'm here, what's our carpool number? <laughs> it's been the same for 10 years. So, But I think when he goes out of town, there's no prep on his end. He just goes out of town. And I, I will say I have friends in our life, yeah. and he is the yeah. stay-at-home dad. And he does those details and the mom travels and the mom is involved in a lot of other things. But that's the rarity. Well, it was interesting, too. Even this week, we had our three-year-old grandson with us. And he and I happened to be sitting out on this deck. And he he has this little camping chair, you know. Yeah, yeah. He just turned three. And he says to me, Nani, didn't you have a meeting two days ago? You know, I'm thinking, how does he remember that? And I said, I did. He said, oh, how did it go? I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> it's like the deepest conversation I've had. You're thinking my husband never asked me how it went. <laughs> but there's this bond. That was like this bonding moment for me. Mm. And we long for that with our kids. That instant with that conversation that was maybe five minutes long, mm. I felt so connected to the hymn. And your book, Don't Mom Alone, Growing the Relationships You Need to Be the Mom You Want to Be, we've talked about how we need that relationship with Jesus, how we need the relationship with other moms. But you also talk about that connection with our kids. Yeah. I wasn't going to have the last section be that. I was going to be advice from mentors, you know, thinking friends, mentors, God. But then I realized, oh, my goodness, so often we are looking to mentors, reading all the books, listening to all the things so we can be amazing moms. And we're leaving our kids behind. Yeah. Wow. We're trying so hard to being amazing parents that we forget to have the relationship. Hmm. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. So I think that concept, especially in the church, I think if we we wonder why so many 
older kids are leaving the church. And Mm -hmm. I often think that it could be some of the parenting techniques that were handed down to that generation created a distance in relationship Mm -hmm. that prohibited them from having anything to do with the church. I don't know if it's true. I don't have any data. Yeah. But you have four boys. I do have four boys. And as a mom, you are trying to connect with them. Right. What's that look like? (laughs) (laughs) And in the pandemic, they all want to do boy things, you know, watch Marvel movies. Oh, I like that. I've had my meltdown moments where I'm thinking, I'm the only girl in this house. It's like living in a frat house. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. But I do think... I'm a speech-language pathologist by trade, so communication is really important to me. And I've always been able to talk with my boys about any topic, and that's just one of our high values in our family. And so even if it's possibly a topic I don't want to talk about, Minecraft or (laughs) Fortnite or whatever the latest (laughs) game is, if it's important to them, them coming to me and me engaging in that or whatever topic – I think is helpful. But I'm, I mean, there's a lot of missteps mm. along the way. I'm not one of those moms who's like, I got it all right and follow my plan. I don't think there are any moms <laughs> I like want to be like the Titanic, like avoid this iceberg <laughs> ahead, you know? So yeah. I, I love that at the beginning of each chapter, you have an isolating idea and every single one of these, I could read them all to a mom and she'd be, yes, yes. This one is, I can't stop yelling at my kids. That's the mm-hmm. isolating idea. The connecting truth is I can identify anger triggers and use calming tools. So let's talk about anger. I'm kind yeah. of excited about this because I'm hoping. I mean, that's a way to connect with your kids. Yeah, anger. Through anger. Yeah, that's right. And I think I've learned a lot through counseling, through sober recovery, and, you know, a lot of Townsend training is to identify what I'm feeling. And I think in the young kid years, mm-hmm. There's such a reactive time. Everybody needs things. You're physically spent. I call it, it's like a pinball machine just bouncing from one need to another. And so being aware of what I'm actually feeling happened zero times in a day. I just asked one of my (laughs) daughter-in-laws, how are you feeling? She said, I have no idea. I never think about myself. No, total self-forgetfulness. And what happens then is we are feeling, we were made in God's image with emotions. We have them. You're not being emotional. If you have emotions, I hate that phrase. Yeah. Oh, she's so emotional. No, we're all human beings who are emotional. (laughs) And God has emotions. So we are human beings made in the image of God who has emotions, who expresses love and joy and anger. I was feeling so much guilt in those years with young boys. I did not want to be an angry mom. Again, I'd read all the books. I had the master's degree. The last thing I wanted to do was be an angry mom. But you get to the third boy, the fourth boy, no one does what I want when I want. And (laughs) they're embarrassing me at every turn. And so the only thing I can do is yell. It's anger is an energizing emotion. And Mm. I was believing a lie from our last conversation about um, what lies I believed. I had a lie of weakness. I really did not feel strong Mm. or able. And so being an energizing emotion, I thought, well, this is where I'll get my strength. But I'm harming the relationships at every turn as I'm getting angry and then feeling guilty every night. And then shame on top of the guilt that not only was it wrong that I yelled, feeling angry wasn't wrong. Yelling in anger was the problem. And I'm feeling guilty for doing that. But then I'm now feeling shame, mom shame, that I am wrong. Did you ever go in and apologize to your kids even after they had gone? 
Yes. yes. And I have to, and I would tell myself, okay, well, that's beyond what I experienced, the repair, the apology, but it's becoming a pattern. And you were saying you not only did wrong, now you said, I am wrong. I am wrong. I'm a bad mom because I yell at my kids. And so many moms are feeling this. Yeah. But I really want to help moms to really lean into what's behind the anger because it's a secondary emotion to something else. Mine was the fear that I was dealing with and that lie of weakness. And that was that inner healing that I did to kind of realign what's true. And instead of in those moments of fear, feeling the anger and responding with the anger, I could stop and pay attention and be like, okay, I'm feeling the energizing emotion. That's anger. Get curious. What am I angry about? Okay, this child keeps asking for a cookie. And I've already responded five times and told him that we're about to have dinner and he can't have a cookie right now. And that's a character flaw in that that's badgering. And I don't want him to be a badger the rest of his life. So, okay, I'm taking that knowledge about what I'm feeling and what it's what's going on that's causing me to feel that way. Let me address the badgering and we can train that. But all of that right. work. So what did it look like? So in that situation, outside of the moment, I could bring up Wild Kratts. Remember that show? That old yeah. Movie? Yeah. And they had an episode on badgers, the actual animal, <laughs> with them clawing in the dirt with their long claws. And I could say, when you ask a question and I answer it and you ask the same question and you ask the same question, that's badgering. And it hurts our relationship. And, okay, even it's three years old. That's pretty young. But. I believe kids can learn a lot of stuff. So then in the future, when I would notice him doing it, instead of reacting in anger and saying, stop it, which is what I wanted to do, I could even do just a symbol with my hand <laughs> digging in the ground or say, you're badgering. It helped him. Now, he is one of my most persistent children still and is excelling in school because of that persistence. Right. It's a gift from God it in is terms of we can see it as he's so annoying and, and leaders we, is exhausting. Yes. yes. I have one, too. It's exhausting. exhausting. I'm thankful that I'd read the book Good and Angry, and it gave me the – it freed me from believing anger was wrong. So I stopped fighting the anger and saying, i got to stop being angry. That only lasts like five minutes. Mm -hmm. To stop – try to stop the emotion only lasts five minutes. But if you get curious about it, it moves – you from a reactive part of your brain to a thinking part of your brain and you can figure it out a little bit better. And I think I'd love to encourage moms if they have a pattern of anger to start getting curious about what's going on at the moment. You will not be able to solve it in that moment because anger just happens so fast. But if you start to see patterns, you can start to look at what's behind it and do some work with God or with your kids. I've always said, um, like what you're saying, curious, is when you find yourself in a, triggered it to anger, I call it backtrack. Yeah. Backtrack to the first emotion because you skipped an emotion. Yeah. And I, when you said that secondary emotion, I had never heard that until decades ago. And that was a revelation. Yes. Like, because Anna told me, you're an angry man. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Which was a great reaction. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Like exhibit A. But when I started to understand what you're saying, I guess, you know, calling it being curious, it's like, no, no, no. It's like kind of extension cord. It's plugged in this <laughs> an emotion. I remember one time um, I was going to pick up our kids at a gymnastics little practice. CJ, my oldest, was six maybe, very young kids, maybe eight. And CJ, oh, when I came in, CJ says, oh, I thought mom was coming. 
And I'm like, no, you got dad. And then there was a lady there from our church. I'll never forget. I'm the pastor of the church. We start, her kids were there. We were talking. CJ starts badgering me. Uh, you know, he says, hey, can I get something out of the yeah. vending machine? And I'm literally talking to this lady. And I remember saying, hey, just hold on a second. He kept doing it. So I turn I, and I grab his arms to go, CJ, hold on a second. Well, I didn't realize I squeezed so hard he starts screaming. And I mean, it's so bad that he like jumps out of my arms. And I remember mm. his mom looks at me like, dude, what was that about? And, of course, I'm thinking, I didn't squeeze that hard, but I did. And so as we're walking to the car, I literally, in my head, I went through what I always told uh, people at our church, you need to ABC your anger. Acknowledge mm. it, backtrack, confess it. Mm. So A was, was I angry? Oh, yeah. B, what was the motion I skipped? Mm-hmm. Do you know what it was? Rejection. Yeah, it was like I was hurt. He wanted mom instead of uh-huh. dad. Of course, he's a five, seven, eight-year-old. It's like, of course he does. So as we're driving home, I'll never forget this. I've got all three boys. My youngest is in a car seat. CJ was up in the front seat, another two. We're in this little Honda Accord. And I go, hey, guys, do you think dad was angry back there? Oh, every, you know, (laughs) your kids see it like crazy. They're like, yep. I go, do you know why? And CJ goes, "Uh, because I didn't interrupt you. I kept pulling on your thing. I go, yeah, that was part of it. I go, you know, the truth was you wanted mom. You didn't want me. And you know what? That's totally normal. That's but mm-hmm. I sort of wanted you to want me. And then C was confessed appropriately. I said, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been angry. That's great that you wanted mom. Are we okay? Will you guys forgive me? Immediate forgiveness. Here's the best part of the story. I get home 20 minutes later, walk in the house. Guess what? I'm not yelling at my wife. Yeah. Because I had dealt with the anger. Yeah. And that's what you're saying. you got to be curious to go back and say, where is that coming from? And I'm guessing moms, that is... 50 times a day. Well, one of the things I've learned to do, I think bedtime, when we put our heads on the pillows, Mm. that's when the battle begins. Yep. Yep. 100%. I start thinking, I failed here. I shouldn't have said this. Why did I say that? And even with adult children, because I have no control now, whereas I did a little bit then. And so I've started this practice of visualizing myself. I just did this two nights ago, visualizing myself with Jesus. And I tell Jesus the things that I'm carrying. Mm. And so I'm like, Lord, here's what I'm carrying today. And this is confession. It's telling him the truth. I'm carrying that I, I shouldn't have yelled. I'm carrying that I'm worried about my kids. I'm, I'm worried about this. And as I'm telling him this, I see myself taking off baggage. I just visualize it and I hand it to Jesus. And I hand him another one. And so it's this time of purging almost. These are all the things that are weighing me down, Lord. And then I picture Jesus doing something with them. And every time it's different. Like one time I'll see him throw it off a cliff. One time, just in my head, he's digging a hole and burying it. And then I'll ask this question like, Lord, is there anything else Mm -hmm. that I need to give you that I'm carrying and that you want to carry for me? That has been the most freeing practice of just going to bed, letting him have. And sometimes there's an application of you need to apologize or go back to this son. And it may, even that part of like, Lord, I feel like I'm not, I'm failing this son. And maybe he'll just, the Holy Spirit will whisper like, he needs you right now. Like mm-hmm. you need to spend a little more time with him. Mm-hmm. Have you had any of those times? No, I just think that's so great. And I think what I'm hearing from both of you is, Emotions are just these great tools to let us know that something else is going on that we can bring to Jesus. It's not too much for him. The rejection was behind the anger, the beliefs and that the weight that you were carrying that was not yours to carry that you could give to him. For me, it was the fear that was behind my anger. And I think 
the gift, if we lean into it instead of feeling guilt and shame, which is where the enemy wants to keep us. That's why moms reach out by the hundreds whenever someone on Instagram or Facebook says, oh, yeah, I yelled at my kids today because it makes them feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. Hmm. You are not the only one. The enemy wants you to believe that. But don't use that as an excuse to just keep doing it. Do get curious. Dig into it because... Yeah, for me, I over and over again kept bringing that fear. Lord, what am I afraid of right now? And for the Holy Spirit to prompt me, oh, okay, help me to hand that over to you. Help me to believe truth. That's not true. Whatever it is, but don't sit in that anger, feeling guilty and then feeling shame and isolating even further. Bring it to God. Bring it to your safe people that we talked about. What are other ways that you've connected to your kids, to your boys? So... (laughs) A little trick I learned from some mommy expert, and again, no formula, but this is a trick. And if I talk to a mom with young kids, I tell her about it because it, to me it really worked, especially if you have several young children. <laughs> it's called mommy time, and we would do it twice a day. Uh, I would do it mid-morning before lunch, before naps, and then after nap time before I would start cooking dinner when I stayed home full-time. And I would put their names in a hat. And we draw who go first, second, third. And they would get to pick what we did in our 10 minutes. I mean, that's moms will feel guilty, like 10 minutes, that's not very much. But really, when you have that many young children and they all need you at once, the amount of one-on-one time that they get with you is never. So they knew they were going to get their mommy time. I would say, I can't wait till mommy time. What are we going to do in our mommy time? And they would plan it out, whether it was chase around downstairs, <laughs> playing Uno, but the rules were you couldn't interrupt another brother's mommy time or the time would start over for him. So, I mean, there were, you know, boundaries. Genius. So, but in that time, they felt connected to me. They felt belonging. They knew they were going to get it. So they weren't in negative ways trying to get my attention. It prepped us for a little bit smoother lunch and nap time. They weren't begging to hang out with me. They would go down for nap because we'd had our mommy time. And I would say, I can't wait for mommy time after your nap be thinking about what you want to do for mommy time, then the mommy time would happen and then I could cook dinner without all of the interruptions. Now, is it seamlessly imperfect? No. But was it better? And then I could go to bed knowing Hmm. I had spent a couple times that day one-on-one with each of the boys. One summer when I was feeling disconnected from my boys and they were in their teens and middle school years and we would play like Uno or something that you would think is, you know, why would they still need mommy time? But They They really did. They did. Yeah. I saw that with teenagers, too. And they couldn't even verbalize it. No. They wouldn't verbalize it, actually. But I can remember saying to one of our sons, I think he was 16, and he was really pulling away from me, which I realized was normal. But I said, hey, you know what I'm realizing? That you're short and snappy because probably I'm short and snappy, and I would love just to hang out with you for a little bit. So let's schedule it maybe every couple weeks or whatever, because I just want to know how you're doing and what's going on in your life. We did that all the time. I did that with all the boys, and there was something about just saying, how are you doing? It was pretty incredible, and my heart felt, here's what I felt like, now I see you again. Mm -hmm. And I would even end that time with, you know what? This is why you need to do this when you get married, mm, because good. your wife is going to need that time for you to look at her or to her to look at you and say, how are you doing? That's, I mean, listening to you two moms, I'm like appreciating 
what you need with your kids and what they want to connect with you. But I was listening as a husband going, I think you need wifey time too. So, <laughs> which is yeah. go out with your husband well, and do the and same thing. I mentioned that in one of the I chapters. I think if you said These connection points that we, you know, after we had to come to Jesus, because you have the little kids and you start playing man-to-man defense and you're, it's all about the kids and you're not getting time together. Right, and yeah. we realized after the kids are in bed, we need to meet on the couch. And then before they go off to school and he goes off to work. We meet in the kitchen and we pray over each other still Hmm. just so the boys can see we're making this a priority. We pray for one another. Sometimes they'll join in in the huddle and Hmm. it's not this lengthy prayer. I mean, it's maybe a couple minutes. Yeah. And then the biggest marriage gain we've seen is when on Saturday mornings we started walking the neighborhood. My mom was living with us for a time and so she would be home with the boys. But then by the time she moved out, the boys were old enough really to stay home. And if your kids are a certain age, you could just walk Right around the backyard a few times with that shoulder to shoulder walking in the neighborhood, not spending any money. It's not a date night. It's costly or babysitters. Our marriage has grown leaps and bounds in that time. And Mm. I think it helps my husband to know he's going to get that time. Yeah. And he knows what we're going to talk about. And I feel connected. I feel like he makes it a priority. And that's really good. Yeah. I would yeah. say too to our listeners. Oh, you got to add another oh, one. I said that. No, I was I was <laughs> piggybacking on that because that's easy to do. Like before you leave in the morning, and maybe you leave at separate times. Maybe you're both working at home. So, but for your kids just to see you connect a little bit, yeah. and even kiss. I think yeah. it's good for our kids to see yeah. that. And Heather, you have been a gift to us. Oh yeah, mm, such a gift. So thank you. I hope that our listeners will both buy your book and listen to your podcast. I'd love to connect with them. Mm-hmm. So. I like connection. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America. The issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact couples in your neighbourhood? Consider joining with us at Power to Change to lead a home builder's couples marriage workshop that focuses on practically applying the truth of scripture to our lives. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website, families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab for more information and to get started today. Have a great weekend and please join us on Monday at the same time for another edition of Family Life Today.